Hello, everyone, and welcome to Interactions and Attractions, a podcast that explores rural tourism and all that North Carolina has to offer. I'm your host, Carol Klein, part of the Uplift program and a tourism professor at Appalachian State University. And I am so excited to embark on this adventure with all of our listeners and special guests. In this podcast, we'll be exploring the ins and outs of the tourism industry through conversations with some of the brightest minds in the industry. From seasoned tourism experts to inspiring community leaders and valuable state partners, we'll hear their stories, insights, and passions for the destinations that they hold dear. Come along with us to discover how tourism can aid the local economy, preserve ecosystems, and celebrate the diversity of our cultures. Hi, everyone. I am here today with Lynn Menges, who is the president and CEO of the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. Lynn, I'm so excited that you're on the show. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much, Dr. Klein. It's a pleasure to be with you, and um, I'm just honored to spend a little bit of time with your listeners today. Oh, I, I giggled inside when you called me Dr. Klein. <laughs> you and I have known each other. A long time. So I was sharing with um, some of my team here who's been working with you recently on your update initiative. I said, gosh, I've known Dr. Klein from when she was a student way back in the day when she aspired to, uh, you know, begin a career in this industry. And I said, the thing I've always loved about Carol, I'll call you Carol now, um, is that she has a passion like I've never seen in this industry for helping rural communities and focus on sustainable tourism and cultural and heritage tourism. And I said that has been her passion way back since she was a student aspiring to begin a career in this industry. So I'm really proud that we are kind of intersecting today to talk about a little bit of that. But Oh, yeah. Thank you. So Thanks, Lynn. I'm, that, that is a lovely way to be described. Thank you. Um, but let's talk about you. Um, I wanted to ask you first if uh, you could tell the listeners about um, your experience in the tourism industry, uh, but then also what you do now in your current role at NCRLA. Okay. So, um, you know, it's a long story because I'm old and I've had a long career in this industry, but I really got into this industry kind of early on in my 20s uh, when my husband had a career like relocation and we found ourselves uh, in a, a new place. I didn't know a whole lot of people. And I got a job with Callaway Gardens in Pine Mountain, Georgia. It was a, uh, you know, resort destination. And there I did convention sales and marketing. And I, I, I kind of caught the tourism bug. I just loved the industry, hospitality, um, loved working with people. And then from there, we moved back to North Carolina. Um, and I was fortunate enough to begin a career with the North Carolina Department of Commerce. It's now Visit NC. But in that role, I promoted tourism for a long time, uh, managed the state welcome centers way back in the day before cell phones, before the internet, when people would stop at welcome centers to ask for, you know, travel advice and information. And, um, you know, that was a, a pretty important program back then. And then just had progressive uh, roles in the Department of Commerce, but always around hospitality, tourism, working with restaurants and hotels and tourist attractions and destination marketing organizations across the state. And then about 13 years ago, uh, this association, the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association, had a change in leadership. Their CEO had left and they reached out to me and um, asked me to come over and 
talk about this role. And, you know, ultimately that uh, ended in a career transition for me. I came here. And um, so in this role, I'm sort of working on the a different side. I'm no longer in marketing and promotion per se, which is I do love. And, you know, I, I have a passion for the people who do that work. But now the role I play is to try to work with restaurants and hotels specifically um, to try to help make the the world in which they operate better. We work on policy yeah. initiatives, um, things that help their businesses grow and thrive and prosper. We try to kind of help connect the dots between what they do every day and, um, you know, the, the world they operate in. So uh, yeah. that's a, a kind of a, a short yeah. version of my career. But I'm loving being on the other side of things where really we intersect with government at all levels from marketing and promotion to, you know, regulatory things to I deal frequently with legislators or policymakers who are considering legislation to try to help them understand. Yeah, that seems like a good idea. But have you thought about how this is going to practically work in a restaurant or hotel? So I'm loving that part of the job. And just it's an honor every day to wake up and still, you know, work in and represent this industry. Oh my gosh, Lynn, you have always been so savvy when it comes to um, policy um, and and governance. And um, please tell me you haven't been there for 13 years. That is... I, I know. It's crazy. Seriously? It's, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. This month. Wow. NCRLA is, is so fortunate to have you. Uh, the North Carolina Division of Tourism, Film, and Sports Development, that's what it was called when you were at the helm there. Yes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's now visit and see, but really they do the same, same function. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. They were fortunate to have you. And, and in that role, I mean, you definitely navigated um, uh, policy and regulatory environments as, as well. And you're, you're so good at knowing what your constituents need and listening to your constituents. And then, as you said, um, I'm paraphrasing your words, but like making their lives easier, uh, making the world that they operate in um, smoother so they can achieve their goals. That's right. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I work with restaurateurs and hoteliers across the state every day. There are about 22,000 of them, about 20,000 restaurants, about 2,000 lodging properties. And they are so focused every day on staffing and making a profit and getting inventory in and putting heads in beds and cleaning rooms and servicing, you know, conventions and, you know, the kinds of things it takes to operate a restaurant. And they count on me to make sure that laws don't get passed that intentionally or unintentionally quite often that impact or create challenges for their, their businesses. So we are on high alert every single day when the general assembly's in session. Um, I think this year there were about 150 bills introduced that had an implication on restaurants and hotels in some way, shape or form, whether it's a building code or a new regulation or a new reporting requirement or, you know, those kinds of things. And we're always in the room to try to say, but wait, you know, let's think about how this work might work in practicality. There was one bill, for example, this year that would have required all businesses to take cash. Seems benign enough. Okay, that's not a bad thing. But if you think about a hotel, for example, you can't check in a hotel and secure a room just with cash. They've got to have a deposit. What if you take out the TV in a room or do some damage? They've got to have a credit card on file that they can charge. So that point wouldn't have been made. That bill would have passed, you know, potentially had we not been there to say, but but think about this. And so we that was an example of a bill we got a carve out for hotels because of that very reason. So uh, that's just one example of hundreds that we deal with every year. 
Well, so the name of this uh, podcast is Interactions and Attractions. And so we always ask our guests, was there a key interaction that led you to tourism, that led you to hospitality? Can you share one that you might that might come to mind? Well, um, I mentioned that I began my career at Cal in Callaway Gardens, at Callaway Gardens in Pine Mountain, Georgia. Um, my background, my limited background, I was very young when I started in this industry, um, but I had some sales experience. And so really the, um, the, the angle that I came into it was that I could sell and that was through, or, you know, had some sales skills. And it was through that, that, uh, parlayed me to convention sales. They, the, the resort I began working in had convention sales. And so it was really just happenstance. They had a sales job posted. I was looking for a sales job. I didn't know anything about hospitality, but I kind of knew how to influence people to make decisions and how to sell things. I had worked a little bit with, with, with Xerox in Ohio, where my Cleveland, Ohio, where my husband and I lived. Um, and that's how I got in the industry. And then once I got in, yes, it was interactions throughout. It was just the incredible people that you meet every day in this industry. Um, the teamwork of, you know, uh, people in a resort destination where I happen to work coming together to create a, a meaningful experience for our guests every day. And it was that that got in my blood and continues to you know, be the wind at my back every day. I love this industry, love the people in it. And, um, you know, I, I think people who do well have a passion for service um, and, you know, creating experiences, memorable experiences. Yeah. And, and, and also a passion for, um, as you mentioned, the, the value of those relationships, those interactions, um, interactions with the visitor, interactions through service, interactions um, with community members, uh, and interactions with your colleagues. Um, uh, so, so, so you mentioned um, the advocacy work that uh, you all do at NCRLA. Can you tell us about some of the other services that you provide to your members? So advocacy is a, is a lot of what we do. In fact, that's probably the most important thing we do for our members. The other piece of it that's sort of tangential to that is we try to foster relationships uh, with our members, with restaurants and hotels and officials uh, at the state, federal, and local level. Every single business and attraction, whether they're in the hospitality industry or not, should know their local officials. They should have a relationship with those people uh, so that they understand their business model. And so we do a lot of that, like, you know, helping people realize that policymakers legitimately want to understand you and your business. They want to know about the people that you employ and how much taxes you create and things like that. So we, we work hard at that kind of grassroots relationship building. Um, we also, uh, I often say we run a concierge service. You know, think about when you're in a, standing in a hotel and you go to the concierge and you've got a question. We do that every single day. My phone rings every single day. Um, for from uh, from a member, a restaurant or a hotel who has a question. Yesterday's question was, look, I got to train 15 people on food safety. They speak Spanish and they don't have computers and we don't have access to computers. Who can help me do that? I called them back. We were able to connect them with a trainer who came in and could provide, um, you know, training in Spanish next week. So, you know, 15 people are going to be trained next week. That's the kind of thing we do every day. Uh, another call I had this week was from a restaurateur. Um, health inspector came in and told him that he had to close down his the window. It was beautiful weather. He had opened the window uh, so that they could enjoy the fresh breeze. I think it was in a bar area, restaurant bar area, and um, that's probably not exactly right. So we were able to. We have a consultant on retainer who helps with things like health department issues, just to go in as a consultant on our dime 
with a member and help them understand the do's and don'ts. Why? Maybe you put a screen in. Maybe you can do it. Maybe if it was a little bit larger or smaller, you know, are there uh, ways that you can accomplish what you're trying to do and still do that within the guidelines of, you know, state regulations from a health department standpoint? We do a lot of that every day. ABC policy, you know, um, our, our businesses are regulated and inspected every single day. Um, and frequently they're just differences in interpretation about, you know, what the law says or what policies are. And we run interference on that. Um, we also do a whole lot of just connecting dots. Members will call and they say, do you know anybody who's ever done this? And we say, yeah, we have a, a member in Charlotte or a member in Asheville or a member in Boone who did that. Let me introduce you and they can tell you how they made that model work, that concept work, that uh, technology work. We do a lot of that, just kind of facilitating the exchange and networking of you know information and big ideas. So those are just some of the things we do every day. But again, the best way to describe it, we're, we're the concierge. You call us and we will you know figure out an answer or be able to point you in the right direction. We do that every day. That is a wide swath of services. Um, and I love the uh, comparison with the concierge um, services. Uh, we, we have a similar outlook uh, with Uplift because uh, the way the Uplift is designed, we have a, a set menu of services, but then we also have sort of the other half uh, of what we do where we listen to what people need and then respond to that. So I think that responsiveness um, is what makes NCRLA so powerful and, and doing the good work that you all are doing for your, for your members and for the state. You mentioned training, and, and so I want to ask a little bit more about training. Um, you know, Uplift and NCRLA were both recipients of ARPA funding last year, and, um, and so I want to ask about how uh, NCRLA is using those funds and how that work intersects with the Uplift program and folks in uh, communities. Well, thanks for that question. I will uh, kind of speak briefly on a, a, a broader issue, and that is workforce challenges. Our industry prior to the pandemic had challenges finding enough workers to meet the you know many demands for jobs that we have in our industry. Restaurants and hotels and tourist attractions, hospitality businesses are you know customer facing. Uh, we can't outsource everything. It can't be done by technology. It can't be done remotely. We need people on the front lines every day to serve people within the hospitality industry. And we've had challenges for years with, you know, uh, recruitment, retention of employees. So uh, that was really exacerbated during COVID when we laid off half our staff and, you know, restaurants were shut down for two months and um, hotels didn't have business. We laid off a number of employees. And right. so when, you know, ARPA funds came to our state, I think we as an industry, you as a, somebody who works in the tourism sector um, and sees a tremendous potential, you know, we began to get on the radar of policymakers to say, we've got to invest some of these dollars, recovery dollars in helping to, you know, build out um, opportunities for jobs and economic development and growth and investment. And a part of that was, you know, obviously the project that you guys are working on in helping communities identify and, and, and promote resources, develop and promote resources um, to attract visitors and outdoor recreation. But there's also a need to train people on how to serve guests, guest service uh, training, customer service training. Um, we need to train people on all kinds of things. And we've offered training for years uh, through our association, but for years, it's, there's been a cost to that. 
we uh, currently are offering through the uh, American Rescue Plan funding that we received in partnership with you all, we received $1.1 million to offer free training to people who are interested in entering uh, the hospitality industry. And I use that broadly. So it's hospitality, tourism, um, you know, customer service kinds of training. So we currently have about 65 courses that normally retail price anywhere else in America would be from $15 to $3,500. We're offering those free of charge in an effort to try to attract people to the industry, new people who want to learn a little bit about the industry, but to also um, enhance the skills of people currently working in the industry. One of the things we found through some of the research we've done recently is that um, people, employees in our industry don't always understand the opportunity, the career advancement opportunities that our industry provides. And so through this, you know, we may have somebody who's, um, um, you know, just a, a line cook in a restaurant, but they want to be a restaurant manager. Well, guess what? They can go online and take a restaurant manager course and go back to their current employer and, you know, say, I'm a certified restaurant manager. I'm interested in, you know, in a career track in this establishment, or they could parlay that and take it to another establishment. We're trying to really develop out, um, employees who are either currently in the industry or are considering careers in the industry. And I think where that intersects with the work that you all are doing is that uh, as we bring on new amenities across the state, you know, some of these are farms, they don't really even understand that they're in the tourism industry, but there's a role to be played for guest service gold. There's a, you know, how do we treat customers? How do you solve, you know, problems? How do you provide a secure and safe environment for people? Um, right. And there are all these kinds of training programs that can be offered and delivered free of charge as you all are beginning to bring on board people maybe who are new to the industry. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it applies to urban areas, people who are want to get in the industry, uh, applies to rural areas. Um, you know, being a college professor, I, I just love how your program uh, is tailored to uh, non-traditional students as well as traditional age students and and you know kids in high school or, or even junior high can look towards this um, very viable career that's right we we also are, are reaching out to what we call second chance you know people who have been down on their luck they're homeless i mean ours is an industry that will take an individual like that who's got a passion to to, to change their life to be better and and we'll train them we'll bring them into a restaurant we'll train them um, we'll give them opportunity and shepherd them through, you know, uh, life-changing events where they can find, you know, meaningful careers in the industry. We're an industry that takes people who are formerly incarcerated, formerly substance abusers. We do that every day, and I think we do it ex except exceptionally well, but sometimes a little bit of training can help those folks get a jump start, and we want to make that easy for them. You can do it free of charge, um, and in some cases, we can take that training to them, or they can get that through community colleges or, you know, uh, colleges and universities like uh, like the one where you work, Carol. Yes. Well, and we'll have uh, in the show notes, uh, we will have links uh, so that people can find out more about uh, the training programs. Um, are what What's coming up in December or in the new year? Are there any events coming up that we should know about or even key issues that you'll be working on next year? So one of the uh, most exciting things we're working on right now and has just literally launched is a uh, another program that's funded through American Rescue Plan funds, and that is our Serving Careers um, campaign. It's a recruitment campaign. The General Assembly allocated a direct grant to NCRLA in the amount of $5 million 
to develop and execute a campaign that's specifically targeted at helping to recruit people to the industry, helping to um, let people who are currently in the industry know about career opportunities, and to try to link job seekers with available jobs in the industry. Um, we just launched a new website, servingcareers.com. I'd encourage you to take a look at that and your listeners to take a look at that. For example, it's an amazing tool. I was looking on it just prior to hopping on the, the uh, call with you today, but there are currently 20,212 jobs posted in the hospitality industry. So in restaurants, hotels, or tourism attractions, 20,000 available in North Carolina today. You can look every day. You could narrow that down and say, I'm just looking for a restaurant job in uh, you know, Buncombe County or Wake County or Brunswick County, and it would pull up those jobs. Um, I searched this morning on that website. Of those 20,000 jobs, it's interesting to note that almost 3,500 of those pay in excess of $48,000 a year. Okay. Now, now, now I'm really listening. Yeah. And, uh, and so now, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying, we're trying to drive traffic to that site and we're out across the state doing job fairs. We are doing a job fair, uh, this week in Charlotte, we'll be doing them around the state, uh, working through local workforce boards doing festivals and events, trying to help people understand that there are incredible careers. You can segment and look for just management level jobs. Maybe you have a college degree and you want to look for just those jobs in the hospitality industry that require a college degree. Uh, or you could say I'm new to the industry and I'm open to all op opportunities. You could, um, and so it has all kinds of filters and search capabilities involved in that. But the most important thing, a lot of people can create job boards, uh, and we've done that here, I think, pretty in a pretty uh, impressive way. But we're using about two million dollars to drive traffic to that website and to tell people dispel the myths. You know, we're not low-paying jobs, we're not dead-end jobs, and we're doing that. Uh, through first-person testimonials with, uh, we've done interviews, video, vignettes of, of amazing people all over the state, over 100 people who have careers in the industry. Some of them are brand new to the industry. Some of them have been in the industry five years, and it's talking about, or, or 10 years, and they're talking about their career path, how they got here, what they love about the industry, and why they stay. And um, if these these vignettes are really intended to help you know, just showcase the incredible possibilities um, that this industry offers people. And we hope that that will help to bring people in the industry, cause people who are in the industry to consider staying and, you know, continuing their career. And, um, you know, I think what we're focused on next, Carol, is trying to figure out how we keep this initiative going beyond May. It, it launched in late October. It will run through May um, with, you know, driving traffic. But we've had incredible traffic to the website, uh, clicks on our social media sites, and um, about 36% of all the people who go to the website actually start a job application. Wow. So good numbers so far. We're off and running and, and hope that we are able to, you know, attract some some people who like to serve people. You know, we're looking for, um, you know, workers all over the state who just are, are passionate and, you know, love hospitality, love serving people, and are looking for maybe a career change. So, so we'll put the uh, link in the show notes, of course, but could you uh, tell the listeners that, that URL again? It is servingcareers.com. And Great. when you go to that website, it will just immediately pull up the job search. But also there you can you know, go across and hear stories from people who have worked in the industry, what they like about it, 
uh, we're working hard to try to, you know, there's a myth busting section. You know, we're trying to talk about some of the myths we know that exist about our industry and trying to help dispel those myths. And it does link to the training opportunities as well. We're also promoting the training there. So just a great new resource. And we're going to continue to build that out with new video, new content every single week to keep it fresh. Oh, I love it. You've got like a, a take a quiz, um, must read job resources. This is fantastic. I cannot wait to share this far and wide. Well, thanks. Well, you know, and we um, are not aware of anybody else in our nation who's doing anything like this. There are a couple of cities, I think, who have tried things like this. And my colleagues around the country are like, how in the world are you doing this? And I think the reason we were able to create this tool is that we've got, you know, we had a $5 million opportunity to do this. So we're real excited about it and think that this has opportunity statewide and across, you know, all, you know, all businesses, all communities, and, and hope that folks will use this tool so that we can continue to keep it live and working hard in North Carolina. I'm getting a little distracted from our conversation looking at the site. I mean, what not to say in the interview, I'm going to read that one. Um, big brands versus boutique, which job is right for you? This is, this is outstanding. This is outstanding. Good. Very exciting. Well, Lynn, the last question I have for you is maybe the toughest. Oh, you ready? Yeah. Okay. You have to choose one attraction in North Carolina and claim it as your favorite. So that is a really hard question. And, and I get that sometimes. I also get what's your favorite restaurant. And, you know, it's kind of like picking your favorite student or your favorite child. I have, I have favorite students. No, I definitely have favorite students. No, you wouldn't say that. You wouldn't look at a class and tell them who your favorite student is. I do all the time. So that's a really hard question. But it, but it also, um, you know, there are conditions to things like, what are you in the mood for? What season of the year is it? You know, like, uh, do you have a weekend or you got a week or a day or an afternoon? But uh, you know that I spent a whole lot of time on the coast of North Carolina. I'm a big fan of, um, of, our, of our beaches. And I think that, you know, it's largely because I have so many happy memories, family memory, memories. I've made so many memories there with family and friends. We spent a lot of time on the Crystal Coast. So I guess I would say, you know, our, our state's nat national seashore is a, a real treasure and one that I frequent often. Um, I think we've done such a great job in this state of, you know, preserving and protecting natural places. And that makes North Carolina so unique. I mean, there, there are all over our state, um, our state federal parks, but the one that I'm particularly drawn to, just because I have a home on the Crystal Coast, I spend a lot of time there. And so I guess my favorite attraction would be our natural seashore. It's where I find respite. Fabulous. Thank you for not making me wrestle you for that answer. That is that is fantastic, Lynn. Um, I have loved spending this time with you. I always uh, learn from you whenever I see you, uh, either on stage at a conference or uh, just one-on-one -on -one conversation. So thank you so much for spending this time with Uplift. Um, uh, we will be airing this at the end of November, and uh, we are excited for all of our listeners to hear about all the good things that NCRLA is doing under your leadership. Well, thank you, Carol. Um, we're proud to be partners in this uh, uplift effort and, and also proud to be partners in helping to grow our tourism economy in North Carolina. I'm particularly impressed with the work that you all are doing in rural communities of North Carolina. I happen to be from Bladen County, and I'm just in awe of you know, the work that you're beginning to do there and across the state. So congrats. Let's uh, continue the partnership and, and, uh, and conversation. That's what it's all about in this industry. Yeah. And cheers to the American Rescue Plan Act uh, funding uh, that has made uh, so much of this possible. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you, Carol.
That's all we have today on interactions and attractions. Thank you all for joining us. Stay tuned every Monday and Friday for new releases and be sure to stay updated on what Uplift is doing through our social media. The Uplift program is funded under award 04790769 from the Economic Development Administration, U.S. Department of Commerce. The conversations, insights, and recommendations are those of the podcast production team and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Economic Development Administration or the U.S. Department of Commerce.